0: there I am giving a book review today on the book the seven habits of highly affected people by Stephen Covey Um, and what is today today is the 4th of April 2020 and I'm saying that to give this a bit of a uh, time stamp so what we're in the second week of uh, quarantine as it were Um, as the coronavirus gets addressed um, today, uh, we're calling it the 444, the 4th of April 2020. A huge amount of people meditating today, millions of people meditating, so that's quite exciting. I felt to do this today, I mean, while I've been doing my own meditations and things like that, I felt to do this today because this book is, is fantastic. It's fantastic because it really helps the vehicle and the vessel that is the human body uh, get aligned and connected to receive and put out the wisdom of the higher self and spirit and so on that goes through it. So this is a pretty down-to-earth book, uh, The Seven Habits, and I like my down-to-earth. I I like my woo-woo too, but I like my down-to-earth because this good old 3D, this is where we live, this is where we this is where our spirit expresses into. This is where we make things happen. And this is the Earth stage. And this is one of the best books I've ever come across. So I wanna take you through this book. Um, why now? Because a lot of people I'm speaking to are looking for you know, purpose, direction. Um, and I feel this book really unlocks that very very well for for people one of the one of the one of the best um, Compilations of information I've ever found that really does that I Think most people have heard of this book have probably read it um, But I wanted to, to, wanted to do this as a reminder. It's a reminder. It's one of those books I actually have it right here on this occasion one of those books you benefit something good happens every time you pick it up one of those books it's got so much in it it's um, it's a lot to try and internalize and integrate all that information in one go but, um, but something good always happens when you do when you do so um, now as for me I discovered this book the seven habits when I was uh, gosh I think I was 18 or 19 18 or 19 um, and I think I was coming home from, from, from college and uh, my dad presented this book to me and I looked at it and I think I said thank you, but it did not feel like a compliment that I was being given it. Um, my dad didn't really super approve of, um, of some of the ways I was living at the time and I think he gave that book to me as a uh, be better <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and so I put it on my shelf, I didn't really know what to do with it. I didn't know why he was really giving it to me, um, but it was, it was many years later that I started to look at it and think about it and contemplate it and so on. Um, now I'm in my forties and have met several people who I deeply, deeply love um, that uh, teach and facilitate um, this work through Franklin Covey. And uh, I even have this book here it 's going to be back to front because of how the camera is, but um, even got this kid uh, uh, this book, which i um, I read to my kids sometime. Uh, if we weren't stuck on quarantine, I would have had to give that back to the library, but uh, that 's the way but i 'm just trying to say it, it it's um, it's it's very much nourishing me now, that's why I wanted to pass it on okay so a little bit about Stephen Covey himself uh, he passed he passed on. In 2012. um, A lot of the influence on the Seven Habits came from his life growing up in the Mormon community, actually, the Church of the Latter-day Saints. Um, A lot of that spirituality and belief system has has gone into the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which which I find beautiful. He was very influenced by Peter Drucker, uh, if you're familiar with him, and the this is, this is his words now. Uh, I understand that it's like 200 years of researching various successful and intelligent and um, informed people uh, that he went back. He went back that far. He went back that far. It's an extremely popular book. You probably know that. Um, it sold 20, 25 million copies of its original version. Its original version. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not without its critics. Um, People criticize the seven habits for being um, just plain common sense they criticize it for being um, banal as well and um, <laughs> what did he say he said something about that he said uh, Stephen Covey said just because it's common sense does not mean it's common practice and I love that that just sums it all up right there just because just because you know something doesn't mean you're doing anything with it does it and um so, I want to take you through this, uh, this, 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 this uh, body of work in you the know, next 10 minutes or so, and whereas in other books I'm going to review in this way, I might be a little more subjective with it. I feel it would be a dishonor to the source material to do that. Um, so I am going to be a little more methodical about this, this particular book, because it's seven. You're expecting to hear about seven things, aren't you? so I want to balance my subjectivity with um, my own feelings with it with the actual source material itself um, my hope is that there'll be something uh, in the next 10 minutes or so a few things perhaps that will f- flick your own um, switch something on in you because that's the beauty of this work and I feel and I'm going to speak to how I feel each of the seven are relevant to our time and our experience and our situation now okay now right now April 2020 now so before before we get into the seven habits he's talking about paradigm shift paradigm shift paradigm shift in terms of your perspective of life and perspective of how you view things being different okay because you can see something in a certain way and then all of a sudden it's transformed he gives a lovely example of this of and I think this was back in the 80s too. We' well, he's on the subway, he's right in the subway and there's a there's a father with his kids and his kids are just, just blow, blowing up a storm, they're jumping around screaming and so on and the gentleman himself is just sitting very quietly with his head down like that. So Stephen Covey after a while he walks up to this guy and says, do you not think you should be watching your kids a little bit more? And the gentleman says, I'm sorry, yes I probably should, but I feel I'm just gonna leave them alone because their mother passed away an hour ago and they're still in shock. So, of course, Stephen Covey, he totally recoils from this, apologizes, leaves the man alone, and, and goes on. But that's one, of his, that's one of his key kind of examples of a paradigm shift, like, mm, I saw it this way, but it's actually this way. Uh, so, in his research, he was coming across uh, two distinctions in ethics. The, the, the dominant ethic in our society since the 20s, and that's the 1920s, has been the personality ethic, and that's the very externalised, um, maybe success-driven, maybe superficial, slightly manipulative way that people have been taught, and certainly, certainly more recently, um, in the last hundred years or so. And his preference and I'm sure yours as well is the character driven ethic which uh, preceded that where we are where we govern and taught principles like integrity and fairness and kindness compassion honesty things like that um, how those feed into and nurture uh, our our life so he's, he's he's very much he's very much about bringing those back those back into the um, those back into our ethic. So that's the first distinction we've got there, the distinction between the personality ethic and the character-driven ethic. Okay. The next distinction we've got is the distinction between values and principles. All of the seven habits are about principles and he says well these are timeless things we've got going on here, timeless. Um, it, it, he, dis- he distinguishes a principle from a value as saying well a principle is is um, is like a is, is is more they're similar, but values are subjective and they're internal. Principles are are external, ex- external, and the consequences of behaviour. And so he's very invested in principles because they apply 360 degrees. They apply to everyone. They're um, principles of law and nature, as it were, as opposed to my value might be remarkably different to yours. Say okay. Uh, so, all right, so let's get going. The first one, <laughs> habit number one, be proactive. Be proactive. Um, I love that word. It always makes me laugh. Uh, I, I, always, I always think of this, The Simpsons, an episode of The Simpsons when I hear that word, when someone, and someone says, proactive, isn't that word people use when they're trying to sound more intelligent than they actually are? <laughs> I love it. Be proactive. But what is what is being um, what is being <laughs> communicated here? Sorry, for making myself laugh. What's being communicated here by be proactive? Number one is to not be reactive. Uh, when you're reactive and there's no gap between this, this, uh, a stimulus and a reaction, you you don't have freedom there. You don't have freedom there. And so part of this habit, as it were, is is expanding that gap between. Between a stimulus and a reaction because in that you can decide and you can choose how you feel how you act how you Respond how you behave and what happens. Okay, that's power With that and I think it was Joe Dispenza that said this he said uh, and you might want to remember this one He said if you want to know the future Create the future if you want to know the future create the future Okay, I love that beautifully. But if you want to know the future, create the future. Like right now, let's get this a bit more relevant. No one super knows what's going to happen, do they? This is this is this is um, this is unprecedented times. Exciting, uh, terrifying. Unprecedented times. We don't know what's going to happen. So it would really behoove us all to create it, wouldn't it? to be proactive in it. Who are we waiting for? Who can we wait for? <laughs> Who's doing it? Um, who knows what we want? Who knows what we need? Only we do, only we do. And so this is number one, be proactive. As part of this first habit, these talks about a circle of influence. And this is a big area for, for either empowerment or disempowerment, okay? Because if we think our circle of influence is wider than it actually is. We're setting ourselves up for disappointment, depression, uh, frustration, and all these things. So, for me, I know my circle of influence is my three kids and Anna upstairs. Um, perhaps, in some ways, at some on some occasions, it's it's through things like this. But I'm not a doctor, not one of the superheroes out there um, um, showing up. In the the uh, um, essential businesses, I'm here at home, right? My influence is, is 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 small, it's narrow at the moment, okay? And I'm good with that. It's not like I'm uh, a president or world leader where my circle of influence would be vast. And so that's that's what being proactive is: accepting what our circle of influence is and doing something with that instead of um, instead of complaining about things and being frustrated or demoralized by things that we don't have direct um, control over, okay? Uh, he says, uh, reactivity, let me, uh, forgive me here. <laughs> reactivity is self-fulfilling, I think he says. Okay, so the second one, second one is to begin with the end in mind. I'm sure you've heard this, This you know, ever since the secret blew up, um, what, tennis year, 10, 11, 12 years ago, um, uh, uh, and and uh, God, forgetting they, they all start to blur together <laughs> after a while but to begin with the end in mind and to have an idea in mind uh, is, is, is a part of manifestation I'm sure you've come across dozens and dozens and dozens of times what's being conveyed here is if there's something that you want to do or something you're making happen you're actually working on it twice um, so this is conveyed in two, two separate ways, two different ways. So first of all, there's just the projects of daily life and that might be at home for you right now, it might be at work or whatever, projects. And it's just a simply good idea to think what you want to happen before you actually do it. Um, as they say in, in um, the building industry, measure twice, cut once, or whatever it is. On a macro level, is, there's the idea of and this is the first place I ever saw this, and I've seen it many times since. Of imagining what people will say at your funeral. Wouldn't you believe it? I've never done this. I must have some resistance to this. <laughs> I've never done this myself. Imagining what people will say at your funeral, or what you would like them to say at your funeral, and that's that's really going pretty far out there to begin with, like the real end in mind. But in that context it's bringing the internal values out to the four, so that it's like something you can, you can in a tactile way work with, okay? Um, yeah, let me see. Oh. So, yes, I'm missing, I'm missing an important part here. Rescripting, right, rescripting. So if, you're, if, you, if you know what you want to happen, All of a sudden, you're scripting yourself to that. You're tuning yourself to that. And so if you're tuning yourself to that, you're not tuning yourself to something else like um, collective consciousness, like what your dad told you you should or shouldn't be or do, um, or whoever. You're re-scripting yourself. And so many of us in the holistic circles, we. we travel in um, we talk about shifting patterns and so on and this is a mental body way of going through that so if you begin with a vision in mind it's like you can winch yourself towards that and I know you know that but and I'm saying this to myself as well how well really do we know that if we knew it we'd be doing it more often if we'd integrated it we'd be doing it more often you know the third one is um, to put first things first ah First things first. Oh, my God. So, uh, so um, let me see. So, we've got the quadrant there. Imagine a quadrant, quadrant, and the variables on it are urgency and importance, okay? So, we go from something being very urgent and very important down to being not urgent and not important. And I'm, just, I'm going very quickly through this. But the most important of these is the the quadrant where something is not, sorry, it's not urgent, but it is important because there, again, we're out of reactivity. We're looking into planning for the planning for the future in terms of what is important to us, we're giving it time. So the art of this is not getting distracted, not getting distracted, right there, <laughs> right there. Not getting distracted, um, it's effectiveness, it's saying no, and some of these things are really tough for us, aren't they? And he reminds us about Pareto's law of, it's 80-20, give me a second here, sorry. <laughs> We get 80% of the things done in 20% of our time. That's scary. 80% of our things we get done, we we get done in 20% of our time. Oh dear. Um, It's funny, isn't it? it, it, How how relative time can be. Okay, number four, number four, uh, is think win-win. And um, sometimes that's one of those things it's good just to remember. To, to think win-win because, and I, I didn't know this until I read it, there's like six different paradigms of that. There's six different paradigms of win-win, <laughs> um, as in win-win, win-lose, lose-win, and so on. So there's a tendency when you hear something like that, think win-win, you switch off, right? Switch off. Yeah, I know that. That's, that's, I'd like to do that. But let's turn this around for a minute. And talk about losing, talk about losing. Some people don't, some people get very competitive, don't they? Some people don't want to support other people. Some people think if I support them, then I lose. Or I can't get support from them because they lose. Okay, so in this one, which is the fourth habit, he's talking about um, all of a sudden, here, we've got, he calls it, the abundance mentality. Now, this is a book from the 80s. This is a book from 1989. And nowadays, every book's got the word abundance in it, doesn't it? But um, what he's saying, already there, and bear in mind, this was a book that was geared to, um, this was geared to the business market, to the management market, uh, it, it, it I, I feel it's got relevance to every single person everywhere. But, but um, anyway, the abundance mentality in terms of there's enough for everyone. There's enough for everyone. There's enough of everything for everyone. And so he's saying win-win. Um, and he ends this or this, this particular section ends with talking about the character qualities of courage and authenticity. Authenticity. Courage and authenticity this is a, this is a book that was originally for the business and management communities, and we 're talking about courage and authenticity because if you go into a discussion or arrangement or a negotiation and you 're not being authentic or you 're not being real it 's going to be very clear immediately isn 't it be clear immediately so think win win uh, think win win um, just lost the thought think win-win and everyone gains okay number five nearly there Um, and this one number five is actually Stephen Covey's favorite one of all Uh, is to seek first to understand and then to be understood to seek first to understand and then be understood so this uh, always makes me think of st. Francis st. Francis of Assisi and um, I've been watching uh, what's his name Pope Francis uh, do, do his, uh, some of his um, uh, telecasts from the Vatican, and I' am just shocked by the empathy and compassion that man has, someone who is probably so far away from all of the people that he is concerned for and prays for, but they 're in his words, they're in his thoughts and people and areas of society that i don 't think of, but I know about because of him. you know a man in a, a man in a tower in the Vatican it 's very humbling to watch him anyway. Seek first to understand and then be understood. This is about listening. This is about intelligent listening. And um, when you, when you, hmm. because with a lot of people, they don't listen, they don't listen to someone and they respond from their program, they respond from their paradigm, which is not giving a fair answer or a fair response to the person talking to them. It's like an automation, it's like a, yeah, an automation. And so what's being invited here is to listen to what someone is actually saying, to, to exercise empathy and to do what it takes for someone to feel safe and that builds trust and that builds relationships and that, means that, and that makes things happen. The second part of this, of course, is to seek to, is to then be understood. And it's the same thing, but it's the other way around, because if you're looking to be understood, you're looking to be understood by someone in their frame of reference. So the two parts of this is seek to understand someone's frame of reference, and then seek to, and then look to explain and present and convey and communicate yourself to their frame of reference, okay? he says words words are 10% of what gets communicated 10% the other 90% of what gets communicated this was frightening is sound and body language 90% of communication is not words, oh, yes, is not, is not words, and that's uh, that was astonishing to uh, astonishing to discover. The sixth one is um, Synergize and you know rereading this a little while ago I was very happy because we're talking here about finding new solutions, new opportunities and has there ever been a time where that's been more necessary? New solutions, new opportunities, new possibilities because People talking about this new normal and this uh, uh, sorry people talking about life going back to normal okay life is not going to go back to normal because the world has changed forever um, I've been very relieved hearing it come into more conversations the people talking about a new normal no one knows what that is yet because we're not out of this not out of this at all um, but a new normal and as part of this, he, and, I'm, and I'm directly quoting him here, he's talking about us as a group collectively ditching old scripts and collectively writing new ones. And I love that, I love that, all of us collectively writing a new, uh, writing a new script. I'm not sure if I should be saying this out loud but I'm going to say it. <laughs> the world that um the world that we're 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 moving into the paradigm of life that we're moving into there's a lot that i hope is not in it i really do i really hope i really hope that my grandchildren say um grow up in a world where there is not bullying Uh, i hope they grow up in a world where there's more equality and i hope that we're now in the first kind of steps and stages of that i really do i really do So the normal that we're moving into is different from one we've ever, ever experienced. From the oldest person in the world to the youngest, we haven't experienced it. And so with this one, talking about synergy and synergizing, we're valuing all people. We're valuing all people. Um, I'm a musician, it's one of the things I do, and a piano, keyboard, or any instrument, if you took away the ability to play one note on there, or even a semitone on there, you have an incomplete instrument. And so us in society, us in, us in community, every single person is necessary, valued and vital, and we're seeing that right now. we're seeing what value the teachers are, we're seeing what value the, the, um, the doctors, the drivers, the um, the clerical workers that well, we don't have a world without these people and so and so. So what I'm understanding about synergy is valuing all these people and new possibilities get created from that, okay? Um, and the last one last one nearly there and this is a, this is a this is simple enough the seventh one is sharpening the saw sharpening the saw and That's about self-improvement and look most of us being given this time right now where we can work on ourselves where we can give something to ourselves to sharpen the saw, and this is a, a Benjamin Franklin uh, concept, I believe he got this from largely. Largely, we're looking at supporting ourselves on the physical, the the, the mental, the the relational, I say rather than emotional, um, and the spiritual. To nourish ourselves on all of that, and that's how we grow gracefully. Got through that one quickly, didn't I? <laughs> so, there it is. There it is. Um, I know. I know. I was a little um, more mental. Going through this one than I uh, uh, I was with the uh, with the untethered soul, but this is a mental work. This is this is about tuning us up on the through the mental, through the informational, and through the co- through the through the cognitive. I think this this book is fantastic. It's been so imitated, and one could argue it's overly simplistic. But it works. But it works. I think there's always something in there. There are many different formats that this work expresses through. Okay. Um, there's an app out there, or there's apps. I think. <laughs> um, there's there's several different. Uh, there's look. Okay, I've got um, if I've got seven habits here. I've got living the seven habits here. I've got a different version for children here. That's <laughs> just what I've got. This is what I've got. Um, so with something like this, where there's so much in it, it's so densely packed. If you want to get the most out out of it, then if you want to get the most out of it, then listen to to lectures of his. Um, There's another book he has called The Eighth Habit, which is um, expressing all of that in a more humanitarian context, okay? The people who he researched or interviewed, and I don't know who they were, I don't know who they were, but i want to i want to say something about this that he didn't he didn't he didn't say like i need to find a number of of char- of character ethics and habits he didn't say that he it just kind of evolved into that and so what you had with all these different people was one or two or three instinctual abilities which helped them as a strong person or dare i say leader and so I'm saying to you now, if if you if you even look at a summary or anything I've said uh, this evening about this, if you look at a summary of what these seven habits are, some of them will be just instinctual to you, instinctual. They're natural, and so treat a book like this as something that wakes that up in you, that um, that switches it on. That's what I uh, that's what I think is important to say. Um, so yeah. the seven habits of highly affected people Uh, I think I know everyone's out meditating today I know everyone's doing that kind of thing and I'll do my own I'll do my own I have been doing my own there's a lot to connect in with today but a, a book like that attunes refines the human physical vessel, then that's what you have to directly work with. That's empowerment, that's empowerment. I'm all for spirit, I'm all for spirituality, and I love that. But the more that we work on ourselves, the more we give them to, the more space we give them to express through us. So the spirit without the human, the human without the spirit, both are impotent. Both together is infinite. That's what I have to say. So, um, well, thank you for listening. Um, thank you for listening. I'd love to know any thoughts you have about uh, what I've said or the book. I don't know what I'm going to do next week, <laughs> which book I'm going to review next week. I'm uh, vacillating between a couple of options, but um, I hope you have a wonderful evening. Uh, it's been uh, lovely to have this time with you and um, I'll say good night.